Hello, my name is Mint Tressler, and welcome to Consulting the Manual, the podcast that discusses men's issues, see what scripture says about them, and how they apply to our lives today. Welcome to the penultimate episode of our first season. The experience of getting the podcast started back in August and the reception we've received so far has been more than I could have ever hoped for. I want to take a moment to thank everyone who's listened and supported so far, and I look forward to the things God has in store for us over the next year. But before that, we still have some season one episodes to do, and this one is a good one. I sit down with my friend Michael Penny to discuss men as sons, what the idea of a good son looks like as an adult, how to be a good son with family members that you may not be on good terms, and how we use Jesus as the example to strive for. All right. Michael, how's it going today? <laughs> Pretty good, actually. <laughs> good, good. I know we're getting towards the, the end of, of the uh, first season of the show, so um, I guess that the best we're able to do is kind of meet in a, in a free room at, at church on Wednesday night. So um, I think our, our teens are done with praise and worship, but I don't rule out any kind of spontaneous noise coming from the room for whatever reason, just because that's how they go. Uh, we're Today we're talking about, I guess... Kind of, to me, one of the more interesting uh, roles that men play, uh, and it's uh, being a son. And it's kind of one of the, the first roles you have grow into an adult. You kind of take on more, um, but you never stop being a son. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, and, and to some extent, it always has been that way. Truth of the matter is, if you look at Adam, uh, look at... Uh, uh, the chapter in Luke where the genealogy of Jesus is traced back mm-hmm. to Adam, the son of God, and and states him to be such. And it's like the truth of the matter is before man ever became a husband with the creation of Eve, before he ever gave birth to Cain and Abel, he was a son before he was a husband. He was yep. a son before he became a father, uh, before we were sons, brothers, fathers, husbands. We were sons before we were anything else. And so, but I, but men tend to be, I, I think the problem with men is we don't, ref, we're not very reflective. We tend not to consider ourselves. We, we define ourselves less by uh, relationships and more by profession. If I meet somebody, I'll ask you, well, what line are you in? What, what do you do for a living? Right. Because we tend to always define ourselves by what we do, not necessarily to whom we connect, but thinking of ourselves as sons is something that men generally don't do, uh, except at certain stages of their lives. When you're a kid, it just is the situation that it is, you know. Well, that kind of, you know, factors more into your day to day, you're you know you're dependent on your parents for for stuff. Most of your activities, odds are, you're either doing with your family or your parents, or you they get you to certain places to kind of hang out and do stuff with your friends. I mean, they're they're very integral in your life. But as most you know guys get older, uh, you know you're you become parents yourselves, or you grow up and move out, or you know you take on a job that takes up a lot of your stuff. So the the day-to-day or the, the regular interaction you have with your parents becomes less. Uh, and, but des- and by design, it's supposed to kind of factor in that way. I mean, you, you come into your own. Do you think kind of in, in that shifting role or, or function that most men do, 
they kind of find it harder to identify as sons uh, as they become adults themselves? I think what happens is when, when you are a kid, all you can look forward to is the day that you become an adult. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're not thinking of yourself as a, as a kid or a son. You're thinking of yourself as a future adult until you become the adult, and you were, and then at that point you assume the reality of meeting uh, the expenses, being on your own, doing what needs to be doing, and at that point, that's when you made that shift. Because in between, when you become an adult and when you're a child, you have that moment where you suddenly believe that you were endowed with all knowledge and wisdom and cannot understand how your parents could possibly have lived prior to your arrival and right. not basically been eaten by wolves somewhere. <laughs> right. And so, you know, but it's when you actually enter into that thing where you enter into uh, uh, to relationship and start your own family that... Uh, you begin to appreciate your parents on a level that you never really appreciated them before. And it's when you start having many times children of your own that you start really appreciating them as parents, not just as the adult who told you what to do. You, you gives them a, or gives you a more complete picture of who they are as people. Yeah. Because you're finally able to see that that one situation from the other side of the coin you're 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 now the the parent dealing with the child you're right or and dealing with the spouse you right. you appreciate your parents relationship in a different way you you appreciate um their interactions with you in a different way um and that's usually i find the point where people start getting into uh, many times their family histories, for instance. Mm-hmm. I'm big into that. I tr- I'm sort of my own, you know, family's historian. You reach a certain point in life where th- who you connect to and how you connect to them becomes very important to you. And that's especially so as you see uh, your own children uh, for me, for instance, family history grew out of a gr- outgrowth of uh, wanting my nephew to have a history when he was old enough to be married and have a family of his own. Mm. And I realized if I didn't write these things down, if I didn't do it, stories would be lost, images would be lost, memories would, would fade away. Sure. And so there was that desire there. So I, I think that as we grow older, we start understanding these. Unfortunately, it takes many times the passage of time to actually start truly appreciating these connections and what it means to be a son. Sometimes, sadly, people don't reflect on that until after a parent or both parents are gone. True. Um, and, and that's when people start asking the real questions because at that point, many times people have regrets. They have loose ends. Yeah, for whatever the circumstance is, whether it's you became into, you came into your own life and you, you have more stuff that you get involved in and so you just kind of don't either think to follow up or figure, well, you know, I'll, I'll ask you know, mom or dad about this later and then that opportunity is no longer there. Yeah. Or there's even some cases where that relationship isn't there anymore, 
or 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 even point where you want to put some distance in between you and, and a bad parent relationship where mm-hmm. uh, again the the parents either either aren't around or have passed on and so like you said there's loose ends that kind of leave you hanging of of kind of completing that picture yeah every once in a while you'll see a songwriter who actually approaches that when I was a kid, I remember there was a song, uh, The Cat's in the Cradle. Oh, remember? yeah. And then later on uh, in the 80s was, uh, was it, uh, In the Living Years. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you're, and it, you're really discussing, you know, the way that generations interact, how the world that you grow into, up into, is different from the ones that your father and mother uh, experienced and how that shapes you. And sometimes that can cause conflict, or sometimes it causes a greater appreciation, depending on how your relationship dynamic with them it works or doesn't work. Well, I guess it's once, once you kind of are in their shoes, more or less, so to speak, mm-hmm. it gives you that, the, a clear picture or, or their perspective. Sometimes that gives you the added appreciation like you said, of, oh, I, n- I never realized it was like this, or now I see why you did these things or made these choices. Mm-hmm. Or you see, like, you made these choices, you, you kind of see the, a lot of times when we're kids, we look at our parents as, as these things that are kind of infallible sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you see kind of the, the, the nicks in that armor or the picture isn't quite what you remembered it to be, that you look at it again when you're older, that sometimes that can distort how you view them. And like you said, it's not necessarily in as good of a light as you remember when you were five. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what the passage of time... Actually, when uh, touching on my family history research, I ended up contacting a distant relative on the, on the coast and it was a funny thing because when I contacted him, I cold called him, which was is a hilarious story in itself. But um, the truth of the matter is, I had come into possession of Xerox copies of letters that my grandmother had that she had received from his mother back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And I expressed to him that I had these letters. And he asked if I would send him copies of them, and I did. And it was, he said, you know, it was interesting to see those events at that time in him and his brother and his mother's life through her eyes as she was writing back to, to family members and, and because how she saw these things and interpreted them was so different than the way he and his brother being still kids at the time, still very young at the time, uh, interpreted them. And now he's reading this some 60 years later, which is you know, quite a thing to suddenly have a, a, a window into a, uh, a parent's thought process all those years later. Because the truth of the matter is, most of the time, a lot of times people are asked, what were they thinking? Yeah. What, what were they thinking? Why did they do that? Why didn't they do this? And, and very rarely do, uh, especially men, tend to sit down and have those conversations. Women are much more interactive in that way than men are. And so they, they'll ask those questions. But men generally, it's like, 
Nah, let's let's just <laughs> we'll just deal with whatever's going on. Today. Right. Don't don't want to don't want to deal with that. But yeah, it's when you, when you get that perspective, it causes you to kind of reexamine your own life sometimes. It does. Um, for me, for instance, um, you know, we all have our our life events, and um, my dad passed away seven years ago. Mm-hmm. An event that I thought unfathomable to me. It it just. Uh, you look at this and it's like, wow, you don't really think of that there will ever be a day when he won't be there. In the wake of that, you know, you're, you're thinking through everything about your relationship and you ask yourself really the important questions. Was I a good son? How good a son do I think I was? how good a son would he have said I was? Yeah. And so you, you start asking yourself these questions. And, and I had to, you know, be honest with myself. Um, I think at the end of the day, no matter how good a child you may be to a parent or your parents, anybody who says that they can look back and say, wow, I wish I did, I wish I had, uh, you know, I did everything that I should have done. I said everything that I should have done. It's like, no, you're conning yourself. Everybody says, you know what? I wish I had said something more. I wish I had done something more. What I learned was, I remember at my dad's funeral, a couple of coworkers who, um, who came up to me and they would talk about my dad. My dad worked the evening shift and he helped unload the trucks. And he was always scheduled to get off at 11. And my dad's night vision uh, was not what it used to be. So I would wait up for him because I wanted to make sure he arrived back at home okay. And so it was one of those things. I just did it because, and if he wasn't back by a certain time, I was calling work to make sure. It's like, is he still there? Did this run late? You know, when's he going to be on the road, et cetera. And he would tell his coworkers, (laughs) it's like, Y'all need to get me out of here soon because my son's going to be calling if you don't get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, you're on the clock. And it's like, and I did not realize till after he had passed how much that it meant to him that I would stay up late, that he'd be rolling in towards midnight, sometimes later, but I would stay up. And we would have sometimes a five to 15 minute conversation, and then I'd hit the sack. Right. And, and he was still so, so keyed up from work, he'd be up for a couple, three hours. But I did not realize how much that meant to him that I cared enough to stay up. I would call and check on him and make sure he was okay until he had passed and his coworkers talked about that. Uh-huh. We sometimes think we are good judges of whether we're good enough children or good children. Sometimes we need to see through the eyes of others. I did not know how much that meant to my dad until after he was gone. He never told me, but it meant something to him. And when I heard that from them, I realized that sometimes with men, we tend to think of things in the grand gesture, you know, 
It's about, you know, we'll, we'll tell, show people how much we love them by doing something extravagant and something like that. But it's really the multitude of small things that we do that show how much we care that really impact our parents. It's not the flashy, showy stuff. It's not the expensive stuff. It's the small things that we do that we don't even realize how much they truly appreciate that actually mean many times the most. And uh, I think that the the little stuff, I think, sticks with you, especially with being consistent, because like you, like you said, this was this was the routine. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 knew to expect this kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. for the whole way through. So it wasn't just necessarily just a, a one time event. It was was this is how life was. Like this is the stuff that stuck with him. Mm-hmm. But even even inside of that, I think, or at least what I imagine, what may also made the impression, is that it was it was genuine and real. It's not like someone was trying to make a show of. I show you that I love you because of this. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just how you were. It was, it was right. the truth of of the the dynamic of a relationship. You stayed up just because to make sure that Dad got in okay and that his day had went all right. Yeah. And if he needed to talk to somebody, yeah, I I would be there for whatever he wanted to complain about or to to share whatever that had happened during his workday. I think that's part of what we don't really appreciate sometimes um, is how much the small things mean that aren't really small at all. Or it may be small to you. Exactly. But on the other end, it's, it's, it's better than the, the big grand gesture. The scripture says oh, many times over, it talks about you know, honoring your parents and, and respecting your parents and, and not forsaking what they say. I mean, there's, there's verses upon verses of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you read it, and I think a lot of people sort of instinctively think of it on like small child to parent relationship of just, okay, kids, you need to pay, you know, behave mm-hmm. with your, your parents. But continuing to honor your parents when the child is an adult can feel a lot different than when it was when you were much younger. Yeah, when, when the parents reach a, an age where the roles start reversing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing between generations. You, you look and it's like sometimes, and this is the thing about being a good son, it boils down, and we tend to make things very complicated. Perhaps that's just an individual thing, but I don't think so. But I think that many times we try to make things very complicated. For instance, if you ask me the question, um, "What is it? You know, what does it mean to be a godly son, and how is it that you know how do how do you become a godly son and all that?" And it's like to me, it's just so simple. We, we make it so so complicated because we want to, being men, we like formulas. It's like if I do A, B, C, and D, this is my result, and I've done right. Well, that's, that's how we operate. We, if, if we want to achieve something, I need step one, two, and three 
to execute the plan to get there. That's why men make great Pharisees, because we do, we do a great job of like, if you will just put it down in black and white, right. I can do the to-do list, don't do the don't list, and I'll be good. But the truth of the matter is, I, the, the way it really is, is it, so simple. What does it mean to be, to be a godly son? First of all, you just simply have to be godly. Jesus made it very clear, how do you do that? You love the Lord thy God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And if you do that and you enter into that relationship, he will make you. You can't love the, uh, the Lord your God fully and completely and him not change you into a better person. And if that relationship in your life is right, every other relationship will begin to line up. It is the first and primary relationship of our lives, our human beings' relation to their creator. That's, that's like we want to make ministry so complicated. Ministry is just the overflow of our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so if we stop focusing on ministry as its own thing and just realize that it's about our relationship with God and all of this, it's like, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, and who is no shadow or, 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 or darkness or shadow of turning. It's like, it just happens naturally. And so... Well, let's seek first the kingdom, all this will be added to you. It's you have to, the focus has to be there. See, that's the thing. Before Jesus had a ministry, he had a relationship. Okay? And I think that's... He had, a, he had that's, a relationship for 30 years, and then he gets baptized. And what does God say? This is my beloved son, and whom I'm well pleased. He didn't do ministry at that point. Right. It, I mean, he'd been 30 years of just having a really good, loving relationship with his Heavenly Father. And if we understand that, and it would be so simpler. It's like, and then, and then the second part is, what did this, the question go? You shall love the Lord, thank God, with all the heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor mm -hmm. or your fellow human being as yourself. If you will simply do unto others as you would have them do unto you in every single relationship in life, then your relationship is going to be better than it otherwise would be. It simply comes back, it works that way in marriages too. Mm -hmm. I, I'll give you, because you're a theater guy. Yeah. Okay. I know at some point in your life you have probably seen either a stage production or the movie version of Camelot. Yes. So if I ask you the question, how do you handle a woman? <laughs> I'm not gonna break going to break into that song. You're going to remember that song. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, how to handle a woman was love her, simply love her, merely love her more. Yeah. And if and the truth of the matter is, if we would just simply understand that every relationship and any relationship in our life is nothing more than simply how do I express love to this person now? Then everything else is going to line up. It may not be easy because of the spiritual state of the other person. If you've got godly people that you're interacting with, that makes it easy. Sure. You may just have functional people, what we call good folks, 
they don't know the Lord, but they're good moral people. But then you get the into the dysfunctional, yeah, and sometimes even in the abusive, yeah. Those are the ones that are really tar. It's when you have to love the unlovely. That's when it gets more difficult. Right, but the requirement on your part doesn't change. Exactly. It's still Jesus loved all of us, even you know he 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 loved all the twelve, even the one who would deny him. Peter, and even the one who would betray him, Judas, yep. he loves all of us. God is love, and he loves all of us, even those that he knows will not accept him. And so this is the thing. If we just would simply understand that this is simply nothing more than expressions of love, that's what happened when I would stay up late for my dad. Yeah, It was a simple, genuine expression of love. There's no secret formula. Okay, uh, it's like it's like it's like the like the scrolling kung fu panda. I'm sorry, it's just not it's just not there. You're, you're it, it's about genuinely loving that person, and that's and and because we're flawed, sometimes that's not easy. Well, you think you think maybe that's one of the bigger hangups for feeling like you are a good son for men is is like you said. It's, it's based off relationship. Mm-hmm. Stereotypically, guys aren't so good at relationship. We're, we're good on the, the to-do list and, and playing by the rules, and somehow we feel like if I do this, this, and this, I'm a good son, or my parents will be proud of me. But it, it's not the stuff that we do. It's just building the relationship. And, and that's really it. it. It goes back to that thing. All of us, I think, on some level, as men, understand that basically we're sons of Adam and we epically failed. And so what we want is we want to epically succeed. There's always that part of us that says, you know, if I can just, you know, if I can just show this person how much I love them, if I, the grand gesture, yeah. if I can just do that and, and make them see, you know, and it's like, no. It's not the grand gesture. It's the multitude of little gestures. Well, it, in, in the big gesture, you're not doing, at the, the, when you boil it down to where it's coming from, mm-hmm. it's to make you look good or feel good about what you're doing. Yes. It doesn't take the other person into consideration. At, the problem is the grand gesture at the bottom, at the end of the day, is always selfishness. Yes. And so it's, that's the thing. Uh, and real, real genuine love is sacrifice. You know, just a simple act that you, that puts you out there. It's like, you know what? They didn't have to do this, but they did it. That's the thing that means something. And so I, I think that's how you let everyone in your life, not just your parents, but let them know that you love them. And again, that's, you know, sometimes that's not easy based on where the individual that you're, that you're trying to show that love to is. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes, and, and you know, the thing about it is, one of the things we need to understand is that you can love somebody but not like them. Oh, for sure. And, and that's something we need. Loving someone does not mean that you accept how they are, car, and what they do, and and such carte blanche. There are times it's like.
See, that's why God tells, why we're told to Lord, love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, because the only one who we can be, who can be trusted with unconditional, full, and complete love is the one who's perfect. Mm -hmm. For everybody else, it's due to them what they would do to you because we realized that everybody else is flawed. And so it, it was like a situation my mother ran into years ago. She'd been in a, an awkward situation. I don't think she'll mind me take it, telling the story. And at the end of the day, and if not, I'll hear about it later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the situation was she, uh, you know, some people had, had, had uh, treated her rather poorly and it's like, she asked the Lord, she said, Lord, who do you trust? The Lord said, you trust me, you love all the rest. Mm. And I think that sometimes in life we have to understand that situation. The truth of the matter is, because we're human beings, we fail each other frequently, sometimes terribly. Mm -hmm. And so to trust in, these, in, in fellow human beings is sometimes you have to recognize who people are and how they are and to what degree you can put any confidence in this or that behavior. Yeah, absolutely. But you love them nonetheless. And so that's the thing about it. You have to know what the boundaries are. And so in terms of uh, parental interaction, you know how your parents are probably uh, as well as anyone and they know you. And so there's, there is, it's a very, uh, sometimes it's a very difficult thing to walk uh, when you have to look at people and it's like, this is who they are, this is how I can love them, and sometimes how much I can love them. Uh, and, and in some cases, unfortunately, you love them from afar, but it is what it is. It, it, it really is. Um, some people, the only th way that you can love them and honor them is, first of all, to pray for them. The truth of the matter is because you have to, you know, the bad thing is don't ever fall into the idea that you're their Messiah. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know um, that's one of the worst things that people in relationships of all kinds doing. You know, I can, I can help them to change. I can help them to be a better person. Have the good sense to know that you're not God and, and that basically the only thing that's actually going to con that's going to change them is the Lord. Well, it's not it's not on you. It's not your responsibility to to be the gateway. I mean, you can you can speak truth to them. Yes. Uh, and, and live that for them to observe. But ultimately, the the conviction and the change is between them and the Holy Spirit. That's their responsibility exactly. is not on you. And that's something that we tend to put on ourselves, and we don't need to do that. It's it's a thing where. Uh, yes, you may love them. Yes, you may want them to get saved, but you have to realize that basically at the end of the day, God will do the same thing and release yourself from that. It, otherwise, you're just going to uh, be inviting a, a form of misery on yourself that at the end of the, that quite frankly will suck much of the joy out of your life. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to say how much I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I hope you feel God's presence in your life and continue to pursue Him in Scripture. We can't do what we do without the fantastic support from our listeners. If you feel moved to contribute, go to our website, consultingthemanual.com, and click the support tab to see how you can. 
Check us out on Facebook and Instagram for the latest, and even shoot us a message at hosting at consultingthemanual.com. Okay, promotional bit over. Back to the discussion. I the the thing that I think kind of sticks with me as far as if if you were to tell tell a guy how do you go towards being the the best son that you could be, uh, I think it's basically aspiring to live the life that your parents, both earthly and and your your heavenly father, would be proud to witness. You know, hopefully that that includes kind of you know extending the a family unit and and having. You know the them them as as part of it. Sometimes it's not, but your your role doesn't change. Your your execution and how you conduct yourself that that's also what you're responsible for. And that really is the ult, the ultimate thing for me. At the end of the day, comes to this phrase: "Well, I hear, well done, good and faithful servant." If I hear that, then I'll have done well. Not just for me, but it's for everyone in my life. It's yeah. like. Have I done well for you in this? Have I done well for you in that? Because it's all an extension of my relationship with him. My relationship with him should be touching every other relationship in my life. And if it doesn't, then I haven't done well. You know, it, and, and that's the thing. Because like I say, we're so much about what we do instead of who we connect to. Yeah. Because we're, we're lousy at emotions. We're really <laughs> Yeah, some, some it's not, it's not typically our strong suit. No, either, either we don't want to handle them, or when we handle them, it is not executed well yeah. <laughs> uh, at all. I think this is, is a lot to kind of ponder on, and so I think the the first the first step to kind of assessing how you do as a son is where how are you in that primary relationship? Where 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 do you feel that you stand with God? And maybe it's a time of prayer and reflection to kind of get a good litmus test, mm-hmm. I guess, just to kind of see where that is. And then once 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 you've kind of squared or assessed how you are with your heavenly father, then you can extend that on to your parents if, if you've got the opportunity to do that. But even in even if your parents aren't around, you're still somebody's son. Yeah. You that doesn't absolve you of still continuing to honor the family who came before you, even if they're not here. Yeah, we used to, you know, it's it's funny because people used to be really bad about this, especially in small rural communities like the ones we're in right now. Certain names become attached with certain behaviors. True. Oh, okay, your last name is this, therefore you are that, you know. And so it becomes a thing where people judge you. Uh, based not on any actual experience with you or interacting with you, but simply by who you're attached to by your last name. Yeah. And so it's one of those things. Um, the truth of the matter is you will, well, and, and, and let's be honest, Jesus got the same thing. Wait a minute, is this not the carpenter's son? Wait a minute, I think his, I think his mother and his brothers are still living here. Oh, What's yeah. the deal with this guy? Yeah, he, 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 he dealt with the same thing. So it's... I love that it's that's mentioned because a lot of times it's something that a lot of guys can identify with of you have a name or a certain association that people put on you before you even speak a word to some folks like oh you're so and so's kid yeah Christ had the same hang up like he you know he said the 
you know, a prophet's only always best when he's not at home. You know, it's he has. Yeah, it's th- the people they, that think they know you. That exactly. Well, you know, look at look at Jesus's. Uh, look at the first miracle that Jesus performs. Was it that the marriage at uh, yeah, at did. the wedding at Cana? Exactly. And G- and his mother comes up to him, Jesus. You know, <laughs> Handle uh, this. We, you know, we. It's like it ain't my time, ma. You know, it's like this. You know, it's like check your watch here, check the calendar. I, my day planner says this ain't the time, and, it, and it's like do what he tells you to do. You know, it's like because moms are like that, and it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, and, and there's and it's like okay, it's like well, I, and he's and, and and you know he had to fly that one by the father. It's like you know, uh, but you know, and so it was okay. And so the thing about it was, because many times we find ourselves in these situations with family members, particularly with parents. Sure. It's like, and you have that eye roll moment. You know, it's like, what am I doing now? How did I get into this? And and, and you can almost uh, you can almost see that in that uh, in that situation. But it's like, you know what? The Father will be glorified in this. Absolutely. And that's the ultimate thing. That's where the difference came in in that episode and the one that happened later when his mothers and brothers showed up. You know, we always think about Jesus in these floaty terms. You know, you see him in, you see the, the representations in movies like Jesus of Nazareth, and he's always so serene. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? No emotion hardly at all. And it's like, but it talks about that basically Jesus was, bes- they, they, they said he was beside himself. And we don't think about Jesus as being emotional, you know, where, where it's like, where, where, <laughs> where, where his mothers and brothers are looking, it's like, Jesus is losing it. We got we to gotta stage an intervention here. Yeah. You know, so, somebody tell him, your mom and your brothers are here to see you. And it's like, and, and Jesus was like, no, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And it's like, you know, those who do the will of my father, it's like, you have to understand, I love you, but ultimately I have to serve my father. Yeah. And in Cana, he could serve his father and serve his mother, but he couldn't there because at that point she and his brothers didn't understand that they were in opposition to his father. And that's a balancing act. And and even in, in not coming to them, he didn't disrespect or dishonor anybody. I mean, it's, there, were, there was no wrong done in the moment because mm-hmm. uh, his, his, his focus was right. Yeah. Uh, but even, I love that his relationship, since we're talking about him and his mom, one of the last thing he does before he passes is he, he makes sure his mother's taken care of. With John. Exactly. Behold your woman, behold your son. And behold your mother. mother. And he was making sure that there was somebody to look after his mom after when his, when his crucifixion was complete. Yeah. And, and he's, he does this from the, the cross. cross. Yeah. It's, it's like, man, that is, that is uh, you know, that, that that should still be on his heart and on his mind. And I think that's something you, you have to wonder. What was going on in Mary's? heart and mind at that moment because somebody who could love you so much that they could be going through that hanging on that cross in front and yet still in the midst of all that on the verge of death still love you enough 
that in their heart and their mind was the thought, I want to make sure she's taken care of. Let me tell you something, that's, that's one hard act to follow. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're looking for, 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 you know, setting the bar, it's like that, that's going to be a hard one to, uh, to match. Yeah. But, uh, but that, is, that is a remarkable thing. Taking the time to look through here, there's, there's great examples of, of Christ being that, that template to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be to be the good son, yeah. Uh, both to his his earthly responsibilities, but primarily to his heavenly father. That the relationship was there. If you know how to keep things in order, God first, and everybody else with the love that He has shown us, showing to them. And if and if we do that, then then all of our relationships will start vastly improving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, again, it's just about recognizing that that is exactly what we need to be doing. Guys, before anything else in this life, we are sons. It's something that you will always be. Work to honor your Heavenly Father as best you can, and He will help you be the best version of yourself. In doing so, you'll be a good son to your earthly parents, too. Come back in two weeks for our final episode of the season and of 2019. Mark it on the calendar, set a reminder, you don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to Consulting the Manual. We'll catch you next time.